Hello and welcome to Nikki Talks. This is the second in my series about domestic violence. And today I am very pleased to have with me Mark Davis, who is a group facilitator for um, Elliott Community Human Services for the Intimate Partner Abuse and Education Program. Welcome, Mark. Thanks Thank so much for, for having being me. here. Yeah. Thanks so much. Um, so we have a lot to cover as always. Um, and I'd like to start, if maybe you could just give a little bit of an overview of what is the Intimate Partner Abuse and Education Program. It's a little bit of a mouthful. Just kind of give people the idea of what it is. All right. Um, it was originally called Batters Intervention Program. Just started many years ago, maybe 40 years ago. Mm. Um, wow. uh, primarily uh, by the Duluth Project. Uh, yes. out in the Midwest, and um, theirs was the existing model for a long time. But it's an intervention program to change behavior, basically, in yeah. men who abuse. Yeah. Um, uh, and do you ever have a female in your groups? We have female groups, uh, more now than we used to. Never used to have them, oh, but that's interesting. Uh, in the last 10 years or so. And you would separate <coughs> the, the yes, oh yeah, 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 never together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And and do you co-facilitate, or is it just you facilitating? The model is to co-facilitate. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. And the, with the idea being that the facilitators, group facilitators, can model respective commu yes. respectful communication. Yep, makes sense. Um, for guys who just don't have that skill. Yep. So. Yep. And so is yours co-facilitated. The one here in Gloucester is not. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I know it uh, used to be when it was at the court, I think yes. it was co-facilitated. Un unfortunately, uh, I just can't get anybody to come up this yeah. way yeah. Uh, from yeah. our program. It's right. a long haul. Right. It takes me almost an hour to get here. So, yeah. you know, it's not everybody's willing to do it. Yeah. And I tell you, though, it's worked well. Yep. For yep. We've been doing it here in Gloucester since August of 2015. Okay, that's what I was thinking. So a little over four since, years yeah. here in Gloucester. Yeah. So. And and is there um, kind of a median number of, of men who are usually in the group? Too many. Too many, really? <laughs> too many. Uh, my group usually um, numbers around 20. Oh, wow, that's big. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really too big sometimes. Yeah, um, I had no idea. I was thinking yes. maybe eight. Or no. 12. Um, ideal, I'd like to have 12 to 13 in yeah. a group. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just have not been able to, to get it down to that size, unfortunately. So. Wow, that's really big. But, you know, in the spirit of wanting to be available to as many mm -hmm. people who need the program, mm -hmm. um, yep. Yep. we that just totally keep going. I would like, I think, <clears throat> to eventually make it two groups. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, yeah. So Do you have, have a cutoff at 20? At, I mean, you don't go any bigger than 20. It's gotten up to 22, but we've yes. got, you know, after that, it'd be, we're trying to actually, every once in a while, I've got a wait list yeah. to get into the program. And I gotta, yeah. I'll just tell them, you know, don't send me any more until, yeah. or, you know, sign them up, but they can't start until this date because I've got people graduating and, yep. you know. And um, 
are, are <clears throat> most of the people, I, I, I know the answer to this, but I think it's interesting for um, viewers to understand this. Are most of the men in the program court mandated? And if so, are there any there voluntarily? Most are um, sent to us by the courts yeah. <clears throat> as part of their probation agreement. Yeah. Uh, some are referred by uh, DCF. Yeah. And there are some self-referrals. Yeah. Uh, not very many. Yeah. And yeah. they generally don't last. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how long is the actual, the entire program? The entire program uh, consists of 40 classes, so 40 okay, weeks. 40 weeks. Yeah. And um, if you're there um, because of the, you know, um, your probation, <clears throat> um, what happens if you drop out? You're violating your probation? Right. Okay. Um, they're allowed five absences in the oh, course okay. of the 40 fair. weeks. Yeah. Because things happen. Sure. You know, you get sick sure. or you have a family emergency or you right. have a wedding or, right. you know, right. any, exactly. any number of things. Yep. You know, vacations. Yep. Um, so yeah. you're allowed five absences in the course of the 40. Yep. Uh, you still have to complete 40 actual classes. Oh, so uh, you make up the ones that you... <clears throat> right. Oh, I see. Well, that's, that's good. So, um, you know, and, but if, you know, we have guys, you know, that just drop out. Sure. Not interested. You sure. Know, yeah. And that happens, so. And maybe you could... Um, this, to me, this, I, I like to talk about the issue of language because I think mm. it's confusing for a lot of people who aren't in this <clears> field. <throat> you know, what, what is the difference between? So can you talk a little bit, uh, just a little bit about um, why isn't it called batter's intervention anymore, for example? <laughs> you know, I was just talking about that with my group last night. Oh, okay, good. Um, <clears throat> because I have a lot of new guys in the group currently guys with less than 10 classes. So okay. it's been a big change over lately. And one other thing, I figured one of the ways to approach what the program's really about for these new guys, yeah. um, it was to talk about the name change. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's taken me a while <clears throat> as somebody who's been in the, you know, program for a long time to not call it uh, the Batterers Intervention Program but to call it the Intimate Partners Abuse Education Program. Mm -hmm. It's a mouthful. It is. Uh, <laughs> it is. And we talked about it uh, in terms of that the word batterers yeah. has such a stigma to it. It does indeed. And these guys are defensive enough as they come in. You know, yeah. they don't want to be there. Uh, it's the batterers intervention program. They call it the wife beaters program. Yes. Um, batterers club was the one that and I... When in fact, the vast majority of behaviors we talk about are not physical. Yes. So... But, but, would you, but what would you say, it, this is a kind of off the wing question, but what would you say is the percentage of men in the group who, I mean, is it almost 100% in terms of they have physically assaulted their partners? No. Okay. Maybe, maybe 50%. Oh, that's really interesting, yeah. Uh, a lot of, see an awful lot of referrals on restraining order violations. But so, they had the restraining order in the first place, right? Right. What's that? They had the restraining order in the first yes, place. Yes, right. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's not always for physical things, although 
I would say most of them have probably yeah. physically attacked their partner. Yeah, yeah. That's not what they got arrested for. Oh. And it's not what they've been charged with. Oh. So, oh, that's really interesting. So we talk about the reason the, the, the name got changed, yeah. I think, is to try to uh, alleviate that defensiveness. Yep, yep. Because it's hard to reach somebody through that wall. My approach um, through the years has developed to the point of I, I try to get the guys involved in more of a cerebral approach at the beginning so it distances mm -hmm, them mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. it. So we talk about how behavior happens mm -hmm. and analyze that. You, know, mm -hmm. you have an event, you have a thought, you have a perception of it, you have an emotional response and out of that you make a choice and you have Comes intentions. the behavior, yeah. <clears throat> so that they can see in themselves how they came to make the decisions that they made. And that makes it a little less onerous. Yes, that's the word that was on my mind. So, yeah, exactly. uh, so that their defenses come down. In the old approach, it was you need to tell me what you did and you know blah blah blah. You know. And somehow make amends and yeah. right. And it's kind so of a militaristic what is The walls just stay yeah. up, and yeah. it takes yeah, exactly. that much longer to get to the truth. Yeah. And get to the actual insights. So if I can put them at ease in talking about behavior in general, yeah. and then work it back to the specific, yep. they're yep. more willing to say, oh yeah, I did that. Yeah. yeah. So what that makes me think is maybe not 100%, but that it's, it sounds like a life-altering experience. I'm sorry? It sounds say. like a life-altering experience. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. It, yeah, um, it really does. Mind-altering. Is what Mind I like to think of it. You know, yeah, changing the way they see the world, mm -hmm. changing the way they see themselves and partnerships and women. Right. Um, right. Not seeing themselves as victims all the time. Yes. You know, yes. Which is their defense. So yeah. let me ask you, and um, again, somewhat briefly, how, what, what was your path to this work? Because not everybody—it's not everybody's cup of tea. I <laughs> no, I could it say. isn't. Yeah. Um, I got here by accident. Okay. Truly. Yeah. Um, I was working at the uh, Essex County um, Jail yeah. uh, doing substance abuse counseling. Okay. And they needed somebody to work in the batterer's intervention program. Yeah. And somebody mentioned me as a possibility and huh. uh, they interviewed me for it and the next day said, would you like to come do this? I had no idea what it was. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I'm always looking to learn something new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, little said, did yeah. you know that decades later you'd decades still be doing later, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. They said, I said, how long does it take to learn this? And they said, about a year. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm a pretty bright guy. I'll have this now. <laughs> yeah. And truly, the curriculum is easy. So, you know, a couple of yeah. months I had that down. But about a year into it, Something clicked, and it was yeah, like yeah. it's it's about understanding how they're thinking, yeah, which is so f foreign to yes. me. But you know, yes, all yes. of a sudden I could say, oh, I see how they got there, you know. Yeah, so. and and um, it, so there is a curriculum. There's a set curriculum. Oh yes, 
Yeah. And and I would hope and assume that the curriculum is some kind of a compilation of all the work that came before. So a little Duluth model, a little Emerge model, a little of your own stuff. A little, I mean, is that true? Yes, it's yeah. a little Duluth model, a little Emerge, a lot of my own stuff yeah, after all so. this year, yeah. all these years. And some new programs that have started up. Uh, there's a huge movement out in the Midwest, uh, started at Iowa State University. Huh. Uh, involving mindfulness yes in in this program which fits perfectly with what I do uh, huh. with the way I've been approaching it for for quite a few years now which is can you talk a little more about the mindfulness approach well part of it is using the cognitive behavior model yes you know when we talk about behavior we're talking about an event happens that's the you know, and then you have a perception of it, and you have an emotional response. Mindfulness, or the, the Iowa State approach, is that because these gentlemen have problems differentiating their emotions, yeah, that their their default emotion is anger, yes, and they make their choices out of that. So, mm -hmm. um, part of the approach is. What I do with the event is trying to drill into them that the event is always neutral. And the event meaning? Life. Okay. Not the whatever. event, the abusive event. No. Okay. Whatever happens. Okay. That, that starts okay. the chain. Yep. Yep. Whatever happens is always neutral. It's not about them. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, that's is. the mindfulness part, I get it, yeah. But when they make it about them is when they start making emotional responses. Hmm. Um, Interesting, yeah. For instance, um, if I say, you know, your partner lies to you, that's often a trigger, you know. Sure. So they get angry, they want to hurt them, they want to punish them for doing that, you know. So I said, what if you take, instead of my partner lied to me, just say my partner lied. Mm -hmm. Not make it about you. Mm -hmm. She lied. Okay, what's behind a lie? Fear? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now your question becomes, what's she afraid of? What's her fear? How can I allay that fear? Oh, that's really interesting. So, so do you, do you it find... changes the conversation yes. from the very beginning. Radically, yeah. I would say. Do you find that that pretty much everybody or most men in the group are able to really grasp that line of thinking? We spend a lot of time on it. Because that's some complex layers of processing, right. I think. But I, I think I put it out there in a way that, that makes sense to them. Um, and would you say that there's a certain percentage of them who are really seeking, I mean, even though they're mandated to be there, yeah. but that they're really seeking to kind of, A, understand better their actions, and B, not repeat them? Not when they first get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah that's the mind-altering part. Yeah. And yeah. I think a good portion of them, you know, actually come to want to see what's going on yeah. inside of themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, a, it's another thing to say that they really want to change. But if we can get them just 
to examine their own behavior and have Absolutely. some insights into their own behavior. That's a huge, huge start. It is. Yeah. It really is. I mean, most of us have to really cultivate that yeah. skill. And a lot of people can't or won't or don't. Yeah. Um, and it is definitely, in my mind, you know, a path to change. You know, not the Has only to path, be. but a path. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we really want them to move, as I put it to them, I, I want them to move from responsibility to accountability, from ownership mm. to taking action to change. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even the first path. ones are, are, even those, the responsibility and the, what was the second one? Accountability. Yeah. It takes a while to get there, to take yes. that leap for Just, all of us, really. But no we have what to start with responsibility yeah. for ownership. Yeah. And, and do you have frequent flyers? Some. Some. Um, there's a, I was going to say a young man, but he's no longer young, um, in one of our LEND programs mm-hmm. uh, that I first had in a class when he was 17 years old mm. in Middleton, and he's back again in mm. his 30s. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> That's what happens when you do the same kind of work yeah. for that many years. I'm experiencing that myself here in this community. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah, yeah. We it have is. to realize that um, we're not going to be able to help everyone. And also, you're still there. I mean, yeah. you're still offering, you're still reaching right. out. And, um, is there much, this is just a curiosity question on my part, but is there much um, uh, of your curriculum that relates to the group members interacting with each other, sort of like either forming bonds with each other, learning from that? <clears throat> yes. Uh, the, the group interactive is important, which is why yes. we do it in groups rather than individual. It's hard to do with 20 people. <laughs> yes, it can be. <laughs> um, but the group has responsibilities to hold good, each other good, accountable, good. Yep. To, yep. Um, to call out behaviors, yep. to help yeah, people that's exactly what I mean, yeah. see. That's great. And also to learn from each other. At the beginning of every session, I, I ask for a check-in. Does anybody have anything to check in? You know, yep. as far as behaviors in the last you know week since we oh, met, yeah. last met, and some guys will say, you know, well, you ha- we had an argument. This is what happened. Uh, mm. This is how I reacted. And the group will give feedback. Respond. Yeah, you know, that's really well, good. What yeah. if, you know, not necessarily advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they want to give advice on how to how you could have avoided that. <laughs> yeah, of course. <clears throat> yeah. I said, but that's not what we're looking for. What we're looking for is um, offering this person some insight into what choices they were making and why they were making them. Yep. And, do, uh, you, do you find, and I don't know if this is something that, that you can track or, you know, that you have aware, I'm sure you do have awareness, but do you find um, any patterns with um, men in the group in terms of their... Um, maybe childhood experiences of witnessing domestic violence? That's a huge factor, yeah. Um, Most of the class, if I ask um, 
you know, who grew up in a household where there was violence, yeah. you know, most of them will raise their hand. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you should ask. I'm just starting work on a new piece. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but I'm calling it Yesterday's Children. And uh, it's about how the children who witness domestic violence end up being the new generation of perpetrators yeah. and victims. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's lots of research and statistics that yeah. bear that out, unfortunately. Yeah, the, uh, the estimate is that 80% of boys who grow up in domestic yes. yeah. homes where they witness domestic violence become abusers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have not seen recently statistics on women who observe it uh, becoming victims, but yeah, my, I only we would have think old. that it would not be much different. No, I don't think it is too different, yeah. unfortunately. So. Um, I have a few questions left that I, I feel are important. Okay. And we're, I'm going to try to speed it up because we have a limited amount of time. Um, uh, one of the things that um, there's more and more research on, and then I'll, I'll leap to the second thing, is that a, a huge percentage of um, incarcerated people, including juvenile detention kids, um, have a trauma history. Mm. And so there's an initial wounding very often um, in somebody who later becomes a perpetrator of whatever it is, emotional, right. physical um, violence. Um, and along those lines, I, I watched something early this morning about revolutionary love. Mm -hmm. And it was based on the idea of tending to the wound. Yes. So you are you're not healing this person necessarily, but you are standing with this person. Right. So in terms of how you have, outside of this interview, but other times we've talked briefly about the group, I have the feeling that that's a little bit of what goes on there. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> Sorry, big question we have. It's a huge question <laughs> yeah. and not something that's part of the curriculum yeah, necessarily. Okay. Um, yeah. But each of us carries into our work, I think, what we're familiar with and what we believe in. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I'm involved with outside of um, this program and this work is uh, something called process therapy. And oh, I think I know what that is. So yeah. that is plays a, a large role in how I approach people who are affected by trauma. Can you say what that is in one short <laughs> sentence? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but it's really, it, it has informed my work, so, you know. And does it relate to, um, the teacher is the student, the healer is the healy, I mean, that kind of reciprocity between a teacher and a healer, and oh. is, it, is it related to that at all? Tangentially, maybe, uh, but it, it has a lot to do with love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's about um, the principles and skills of loving, Yeah. that there's an art to it. And, and also there's a pretty broad 
uh, world in which to do it. Yes. It's not just you and your partner. No. You and your child. Yeah. No, and often our, our talks in the, in the group focus on not their partners, but how they're relating to other people in the workplace and on the, in community. Yeah. yeah. And we always try to bring it back to that partnership. How do you apply that yep. there? Yep. You know, that, is that an example of respectful communication? Yeah. Uh, was that an example of making a different choice than you would have previously? Yeah. Um, huh. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. I can see why you're so drawn to the work. Yeah, I I was hooked from the <laughs> from a long time ago, and yeah. I you know like I I've said to you before, I'll go anywhere, any place, any time to talk about this to yeah. you know to spread the word to you know get more people in the community involved in what we do. So. I remember when um, when I first got involved uh, with the domestic violence field and, you know, the light bulb that went off 30 years ago, maybe mm. 40. Um, in my mind, when someone said to me, you know, it's not about the violence. It's about the power and control. So what would you say to that in terms of how that moves in your group? Yeah, I mean, I, I, when the guys say, well, it's about control, because they know all the buzzwords. They know so, all the, you know, right, the language. I said, that's too easy. That's too easy. Yeah, that's uh, good. I said, you know, let's make it about, not about wanting control, but about why you want control. Yep. And why you choose that. Yep. You know, what's the motivator? Yeah. You know, and it all comes down going back to love. Yep. There yep. are two motivators in life. There's fear and there's love. And which yep. are you operating out of? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know. Right, right. So we only have a minute left. Wow. Um, and I guess I'd like to close with, and this is a trick question, I'm sorry. <laughs> Throw it right at you. Um, what is it, because your work is so unusual, and I would say, mm. I mean, I would take a risk and say that a lot of people don't understand what you do. Certainly not the real key, you know, factors involved. Mm. Could you just say something that, that you feel would help people understand what you do? Um, what is it that you would want people to know the most about working with batterers? Hmm. I, I would guess that... Um, it's a work that has to be done with a great amount of respect mm -hmm. for people as human beings. Mm -hmm. To look beyond the social norms yeah. yep. and get rid of the prejudices and the mm -hmm. biases mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and treat people with respect just for the simple fact that they're a human being. Yeah. That's how I have to approach it, and that's how I ask them to approach their partner. Yeah, it's so simple and so yeah. so important. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, thank you so much. Thank you, Thanks Nikki. for being on the show. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs>